That there is one of my favorite sounds. It's my Bialetti stovetop coffee maker telling me it's time to take a break from the hustle and bustle of everyday life. Sit back and enjoy another episode of The Octopus Wars. Have an espresso or a glass of Malbec and get ready for another tale. exciting. We are already on episode seven of the Octopus Wars. I'd like to begin by thanking Ignacio Bertinelli for sending us a photograph of the mausoleum where the Black Eagle ended up that one fateful night. Thank you very much. And you can go on the website of the Octopus Wars and go to the fans corner. And there you will see um, the photos and drawings that were sent in by fans from all around the world. We also have uh, from Valentina Ricci, uh, a beautiful uh, uh, illustration of the titles of many of the stories of the Octopus Wars. And uh, we have a similar submission by Grace Violet Sorel, uh, which also has other titles um, that were not included in the first one. And so you can visit the fans corner and uh, see these beautiful uh, submissions. Now, when people listen to our program, they might not know certain terms. Um, they're from a different time and from a different part of the world, and they even involve a, a different dialect, uh, really. And so it's, it's fortunate that we have the definitions at hand, and they come from the historical figures who use these terms in the story. So one term is caballero. Caballero is a very common term, and of course, it sounds like caballo, which is horse. Well, Catface Laguna provides us with a definition. Catface Laguna says, caballero means gentleman, deriving from the word knight and horse. At the restaurant El Pinguino, we use the term only for out-of-towner. term Moshejas, which appears in today's tale, and the definition of Moshejas is provided by Professor Rivarola. Professor Rivarola states, no one really knows what Moshejas, or in English, sweetbreads are, though it is clear that bread has little to do with them. Don Boca proposed they are the spleen of the cow, but Catface Laguna told patrons that it is not the spleen, but the tonsils of an ox. Unfortunately, despite the controversy, no one ever took the time to ask a butcher what mochejas are. Dr. De Bartolo concluded correctly that mochejas are the thymus gland of the cow. And the term choripan appears in the tale of today. And the definition of choripan comes from our own Don Fanucci of the Galaxia Bar. Choripan is Argentine chorizo served on a roll, which is similar to a baguette, but not exactly. There is controversy regarding whether the chorizo in a choripan should be cut down the middle, should be cut long ways, or if it should be kept whole and intact. Some argue that the chorizo loses all of its juice once it is cut. 
You know, if I could ask Chef Tandil only one question, it would be about whether the chorizo should be cut or not. But this will remain a mystery forever. Then we have the definition of the word campesino, which has appeared in many of our tales. Campesino. Don Boca states, A campesino is someone who lives in the countryside, the opposite of a porteño, who lives in Buenos Aires. We have also seen the term chusma. Pochito, one of the young bohemians, states, A gossip, usually someone making mate. Mate is, of course, uh, the tea from South America. The definition for el flaco loco. Dr. De Bartolo states, A crazy thin person, which, for some reason, is a combination that occurs more often, statistically, than gordo loco. You may have heard the term pibe, and pibe, according to Don Boca, means kid. A kid or someone between the age of a pendejo and a viejo. We have the definition of the term acequias, and the acequias are something very special about Mendoza. Professor Rivarola was kind enough to provide us with the following account. Acequias are a pre-Columbian water system, including canals and irrigation ditches, designed and built by the indigenous people of the region. The Huarpes and Puelches of the region of modern-day Cujo, long before the arrival of the Spanish conquistadores and long before the Italians who arrived later to work in the vineyards. Today, the acequias run all along the city streets and water over 100,000 trees. And these are the beautiful trees that you see lining all the streets of Mendoza. I should mention that on the website, we do have a photo of these tree-lined streets, and it was provided by Astor Banega. You will see that photo on the fan's corner. Now, Professor Riverola continues his definition of acequias. It is curious that Mendocinos hold national pride about this ancient technological wonder when they had nothing to do with its design or implementation. Such a kind of national pride is also held for Aconcagua, the highest mountain in the Western Hemisphere, formed not by Mendocinos, but by the shifting of tectonic plates eons ago. Argentines are equally proud of the discovery of Argentinosaurus, the world's largest dinosaur, who roamed the southern continent more than 95 million years ago, long before any Argentines could have anything to do with it. I should add that we have photos of the acequias in the fan's corner, thanks to Doña Emilia Fernandez. We received a letter about the lavish parties that were thrown in Mendoza during the 1940s. This letter is from Doña Josefina Linares, and she writes, 
The gentlemen would wear their hair slicked back with a thick pomade called gomina. The thicker, the better. Everyone would dress up, and being classy was essential. If you didn't know how to speak, don't even try asking a girl to dance. You had to be dressed well and be able to hold a conversation. The gentlemen made sure that their shoes were polished and that their pants were free of any wrinkles. The ladies wore their best dress. Some of the most lavish parties were at the estate of Don Platy from Buenos Aires. tale from the world of the octopus wars. Party at Platy's estate. The Bohemians strolled down the middle of the broad and tree-lined Avenida Rivadavia, as was their custom, heading for General Paz. Young couples sat on the benches that flanked the avenue. As the moths attacked the amber English street lamps, Cole attempted to explain to Grano how radio signals are sent and received. Pochito and Aledro, uninterested in such matters, decided instead to kick a red pebble all the way down to wherever they were heading. I smell a parrillada coming from over there, said Grano with his round face pointing at the sky. It must be a party at Don Platy's estate. Smells like beef from Buenos Aires. A few more blocks confirmed Fat Grano's hypothesis. Don Platy was having an outdoor costume party at his lavish mansion. Every senora brought her best dress and every man had his hair held in place by a thick, shoe-polish-like pomade. For this occasion, even mustaches were combed, trimmed, and fixed in a mousse. Some men wore frocks, and some wore double-breasted waistcoats. Many took the opportunity to wear the customs that were used during carnival. The first thing the Bohemians encountered upon entering his gilded gates was a poorly sculpted mermaid perched in the middle of an illuminated fountain. He sure loves fountains, said Pachito. Welcome, young Bohemians. Imbue us with your youth and spirit, said Platy while raising a glass of Moscatel with his right arm and holding a stunning Tinkerbell with his left arm. By the way she held her cigarette, she must have been from Buenos Aires, thought the Bohemians. Food and drink was everywhere. A devil with pitchfork was serving meats from a rotating grill, and Snow White was serving potato salad and fruit punch. Walking around was Dracula pouring red wine from a heart-shaped flask, and the president of our country was roasting a suckling pig. It was not very presidential. You see that beef over there, said Don Platy, pointing to the devil. That's the best our country has to offer. Other companies export the best to England, but we at Pampa Real give top choice to our own people. 
a tradition my father established at the turn of the century. May he rest in peace. Sounds like a radio commercial, said Puchito. I hope he's not giving us the chuck steak that the Brits sent back. Fat Grano already had a dish stacked with two flank steaks, pork, mochejas, chorizos, empanadas, and a leaf of lettuce. Thank your father for the pork chorizo, Don Plati. It tastes good, said Grono with his mouth full. It is my pleasure, you fine gentlemen, the future of our great country. Don Plati passed his fingers through his silver hair, which should have been dyed petroleum black, his hair color, the night before. The red embers from the mammoth barbecue spiraled into the night sky, hypnotizing the drinkers and confusing the provincial fireflies. The only thing darker than the night sky was the Coca-Cola, which, according to Fat Grano, was thick and worth drinking back then. The whole garden smelled of barbecue, and several workers were tending to the quinchos and keeping the charcoal red. Have some of these, you young punks, said Catface Laguna, bringing a dish full of chinchulines, which are grilled intestines, and some mochejas. He was dressed in his usual waiter uniform. Oh, so the greatest deceiver in the world is the only one who is not disguised, said Puchito, shaking his head. This is work, my young Puchito, work, something you don't understand. Catface is not here to party, said Catface Laguna. And be careful when biting the hot chinchulines, my boy. There's always a little bit of hot oil in them. One time, a waiter at El Pinguino bit into one and burnt his tonsils. He couldn't speak for weeks and couldn't talk with our chef. It was a disaster. The patrons kept getting the wrong orders. And be careful with that plati. That guy is shady, real shady. Buenos Aires shady. How so? asked Cole. Cafe's Laguna pointed at Platy's mansion. Look carefully. You see over there? You see that fountain in front of the mansion? Now, okay, now look up at the second story window right above that trellis. You see that person sitting by the window? That person dressed in, in costume? The young bohemians could see the profile of a man sitting dressed up in a costume. The man was looking away from the window. Catfish continued, that is Plati's twin brother, who he doesn't let out of the house, doesn't let him speak to anybody. Can you believe it? And the poor fellow is all dressed up, but not allowed to join this lavish party. Catfish shook his head. Why not? asked Aledro. Catfish looked around and pretended to be picking up some napkins just to kill enough time to talk without being noticed. I think his twin brother knows a secret or two about their operation, about Pampa Real. And I bet he also knows what is hidden underneath those Sierras of Cordoba, too. The thing Philip Jennings wrote about? asked Cole. That is exactly right, Mr. Brains, said Catface. You see, I think they keep him locked up in the mansion and won't even let him write a letter to the outside world. The Bohemians looked again at that window. The twin brother was still looking away from the window, motionless. 
dressed up in costume. Grano took a piece of food out of his mouth. I can see only the profile in a little bit of his devil's costume. Maybe I can see his pitchfork. Grano pointed at the window with a piece of bread. And that is exactly what Platy wants, continued Catface Laguna, for people to barely notice him, to make him not exist at all. These wealthy people, be careful with them. They have all types of secrets, secrets that, that we poor can't afford. Like what? asked Pachito. I don't want to say, but I heard all kinds of things, like people hiding giant pet dinosaurs, the big ones, the ones with four legs, in giant caves in the Andes. But, you know, I don't want to say, I just hear things. In my business, one hears people say all kinds of things. When the stomach is full, people feel safe enough and start spilling the beans. All I can say is that twin brother over there, who is only allowed to look out the window and though dressed up, can't join us here, and is not allowed to send someone a letter, well, that just breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. And did you see Tinkerbell? The Bohemians nodded. Well, I hate to say it, and I shouldn't say anything because it's not my business, but that used to be his fiance. Catface pointed at the window. It is all so sad. It is all so wrong. Who could right this wrong? I asked myself, shaking my head. Catface shook his head three times and looked at the young Bohemians. Hey, I have an idea. If you guys give me a few coins, a few moneditas, I'll make sure he gets them so that he could maybe at least mail a letter to a nun or something. Maybe a nun can pray for him, you know, can include him in her daily rosary. Catface crossed himself. His silver watch was covered in sweat and coated in the smoke of the parishada. The Bohemians quickly gave Catface Laguna all the coins they had. He immediately put them in his waiter's vest pocket. Be sure to eat the lomo before the senoras get to it, said Catface Laguna before clapping his hands and walking away, smiling and whistling a tarantella. The Bohemians kept looking at the mansion, enthralled, until they were interrupted by Professor Rivarola. Pampa Real sure knows how to celebrate and put on a party. Given this feast, we should at least pour some libations for the gods, I think, said the professor, eating a choripan. Cole grabbed the professor by the arm. What do you know of that mysterious person over there? Right there on that second floor window. You see him over there? Asked Cole, pointing to the window on the second story of the mansion. The professor, with his mouth full of choripan, pointed to the mansion with his half-eaten sandwich. You mean that statue of Poseidon, the god of the seas? Why, yes, I know quite a bit about him. You know, the Romans called him Neptune. Statue of Neptune. 
The young Bohemians were determined to find Catfish Laguna and demand that they receive their coins back. Remember, said Cole, he doesn't know that we know the truth. I just wonder, why is he taking so long to come out of the kitchen? Moments later, Catface Laguna walked out of the kitchen holding a silver tray full of potato salad. He seemed out of breath, with white powder on his hands, and he had a few leaves and small prickly things stuck to his clothes. A senora asked him, Catface, why are your pants wet? Oh, um, I saw the fountain over there, and it reminded me of my beloved Venice. I became so sad that I could not resist walking in the fountain for just one lap, just to feel the water on my legs again, if only for a minute. Catface winked at the Bohemians. Pobre, said the lady, which means poor thing. She blew Catface a kiss. You miss your Venice so much, and Catface nodded. Catface blew a kiss back and touched his heart while winking at the Bohemians. He walked up to them. They're on to me, he said to the young Bohemians in a serious voice. He put the tray of potato salad down on the grass and squatted down like a soccer player posing for a picture. I went into the mansion and found the poor twin and gave him your moneditas as quickly as I could. With both hands, he grabbed my hand with the coins and said, You tell those young men, bless them, the future of this country. You tell them that it is only they that give me any hope. Tonight, I might have tears of happiness and not of sadness, knowing that Sister Paranax will pray for me. But then the footman caught wind of me and started hunting old cat face down. I had to climb out that window, climb down the trellis you see over there, and then land in the fountain. That is why my pants are all wet. Grano could not resist. What a load of donkey dust. We know that that is only a statue, Sanatero. The professor told us. Catface looked shocked. A statue? But that is not possible. I respect the professor tremendously, but even experts are wrong sometimes. Tell me one thing. Grono, if that is a statue, then how could it have moved? The young bohemians looked at the mansion and were surprised to see that there was now no longer the silhouette of anyone in that window. The window was empty. The twin had disappeared. Catface smiled and said, Only because of your generosity will a nun pray for the forgotten twin tonight. The bohemians kept looking at the window, perplexed. Catface was smiling. Oh, Mr. Catface Laguna! Oh, Mr. Catface Laguna, said Tinkerbell, approaching the group. She took the time to stand still and take a puff from her cigarette. When you get a chance, my dear, would you help the gardeners open a door to one of our rooms? It will not open for some reason. It is very strange. There seems to be a large weight behind it. It is quite a mystery, as, except for the window, there is no other way out of that room. The head gardener said that, Whoever put that weight there must have locked himself in the room. The gardeners are all scratching their heads. But such strange things do happen at parties. Your wish is my desire, my enchanting fairy, said Catfish Laguna. 
Catfish Laguna will get to the bottom of this. Upon seeing Tinkerbell walk away, Catface immediately knelt down and put his head into his hands, and he started weeping. He looked up at the Bohemians and said, We wanted to help him, but now we have caused more harm than good. Such is the cruelty of life. This morning, the forgotten twin was confined to a mansion, but now... Now that Don Platy caught wind of us trying to help him, the forgotten twin is confined to a small room behind lock and key. That cold-hearted Don Platy locked him in so no one can access him, not even Tinkerbell. May Sister Paranox save us all. (laughs) 